Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 22 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I actually tried to record this intro a couple of times and false started and realized I hadn't had any coffee this morning. So now I'm caffeinated and I'm good to go. Uh, I am sitting here at my friend Paul Morley's house in Chattanooga, exactly in the spot where I started this thing uh, damn near a year ago. Uh, We've got about two weeks before our year birthday, maybe not even that long, maybe 10 days, something like that. And uh, if you were thinking about getting us a birthday gift, then uh, a rating and a review on iTunes would would be great. Uh, I'm told those ratings and reviews are the most important part of the algorithm that gets you in front of new people. So there's that. That's all I know about it. Um, And we really appreciate the reviews. We've gotten some really great ones. Uh, One here I'm looking at right now from the Dirtbag Dad that says, if you're a climber looking to explore focused and programmatic training, that's a good word by the way, go no further. Intelligent, funny, and real. Every episode has had at least one key takeaway for me that has proven very useful. There's a whole new dimension out there for my climbing. Looking forward to taking it to a new level. Plus, the theme music is awesome and well chosen. Thanks, Dirtbag Dad. We appreciate that. And we appreciate all your support. I see you out there on the Instagrams. So, thanks for that. Um, yeah, and if you're, you know, if you're one of those people that insists on buying a gift because... Giving us a rating and review doesn't cost you anything. Then you can become a patron. Uh, you can go to our website, powercompanyclimbing.com, click on the podcast tab, become a patron, or you can click on apparel and buy a t-shirt. All those things help. They all go back into making this podcast better and our website better. And um, yeah, just uh, it goes to good things for you. And uh, this, this year... I've been thinking a lot about this, and Nate and I were talking recently, and uh, the most surprising thing, besides the fact that it's been a year already, is that we've really built this cool community, so thank you guys for that. That means a ton, and uh, everywhere I go, people recognize the power company and want to talk about the power company, and um, I think that's a pretty, pretty awesome thing, so thanks to you guys. Uh, I'm not going to ramble too much here. Um Again, I'm caffeinated, so I could go forever if I just let that happen. Uh, Instead, I'm going to get into today's talk with uh, none other than fan favorite Steve Bechtel. Uh, We recorded this this past summer in Lander, and um, I'm not going to tell you what it's about because we've got, you know, nearly an hour of Steve telling you what it's about. Uh, there is one, there's a break in the middle where we were in Steve's gym and someone came to the door that he had to go talk to. So if there's an abrupt break in the middle, that's why. All right, see you guys on the other side. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. 
you know, perfection is achieved when there's nothing else to take away. And, and that's, that's a really good general framework of your climbing training. like your first official gig as co-host here <laughs> huh. i call this the the steve and chris show from that now on will be uh you know we, it's gonna get pretty boring in a big hurry <laughs> just <laughs> you and me talking i don't know i'm just gonna let you talk that way it doesn't get boring so um what i'm what i really want to talk to you about today is this it's something you've mentioned in a couple of other podcasts and we've kind of We've been on other topics, so we've just moved past it. But um, what you're calling integrated strength, strength training, mm-hmm. uh, basically mixing something like a deadlift with bouldering or with hangboarding mm-hmm. or something to that effect. So yeah. um, basically, what's the, you know, I can think of a couple of good reasons to do it, but what's the, the main reason you've seen? Well, the, the whole problem with program design and you you probably get the same question i do is like people go hey chris can you help me design a training program and because it it gets complicated in a big hurry um and one of the things that um climbers do is they start putting together a training program and it starts turning into well when i was a kid we called them monster cookies you know you have chocolate chips and raisins and M&Ms <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. and yeah. syrup and <clears throat> jelly. And, and it just... That sounds amazing. By yeah, the way. right? The, but the more you add, the less likely the thing is to, to stay together. Right. And, and so what, um, what I've run into with these training programs is you, you'll run into a climber that's trying to develop many, many, many qualities all at once. And what we what we're trying to avoid is um having so many adaptations uh that we're trying to make that no adaptations take place and so when i have a training program that i've got an athlete that needs some basic athleticism some strength um and they need to get their fingers stronger and we are maybe bouldering it's real hard to fit that in in the given training cycle yeah um and so what we started looking at is if I've got a guy that's lifting heavy on a deadlift, he needs to rest three to five minutes between sets. And normally what you do, I mean, the standard is to sit and read a magazine or, um, right. or, or you know, talk to somebody that you're training with. Um, then the same thing happens in hangboard training. Uh, depending what you're doing and depending on the training protocol, um, the really heavy strength stuff needs to have the same kind of rest, you know, three to five minutes between super heavy hangs. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I started looking at it and saying like, okay, well, wait a second. If because of the layout of our facility, um, I can have my guy go do a set of squats, then walk over and do a set on the hangboard. Um, 
And then I've still got plenty of time to recover in between and adjust yep. weight and whatever else. Um, so much time, in fact, that we started adding in a third component in these um, in these programs, uh, which was mobility training. Right. Um, we it's very rare that I run into a climber that doesn't need mobility work. Mm-hmm. And um, when we say, "Oh, stretch between boulder problems," or "stretch at the end," or "stretch at the end of the week," it, it doesn't happen. And anybody that does stretch a lot. Um, those are the guys that don't need it. Um, and so, so if but those we, are the guys who want to do it more, so. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, if you're, <clears throat> if you're great at something, you're going to want to do it sure. all the time. Yep. And so what we do is we sneak it in and, and the way I lay, I lay the sessions out is to do, um, a hangboard set, um, a strength set, and then a mobility set. And so we just, you can pretty much just flow between those things um, at, a, at a normal pace. You don't need to be racing. Um, you don't even need to be slowing yourself down because just the adjustment between those positions um, gives you enough recovery. By the time I get back to my, my strength set, I'm probably pretty well recovered. Um, and so our standard for a strength style um, session would be to do... Um, like three to five reps of a squat, for example, mm-hmm. then a, um, a hangboard set, um, and then probably a minute to a minute and a half of a mobility exercise. Um, so, and then, then you would do that three times through or something. It depend right. depending how much volume the athlete can handle. Um, a, a typical athlete for me can do three groups of those three exercises um, three times through in a 45 to 60 minute session. And so what that means is you're going to have a little circuit of strength exercise, hangboard, mobility, and you go through that three times. That takes about 15 minutes. And then we would pick another strength exercise, uh, another hangboard position, another mobility exercise. Uh, okay. And we would do that group three times. Gotcha. And that would take about 15 minutes. Then we would do a third one, um, and that would be, you know, a third strength exercise, another hangboard set, and another mobility set. So at the end of the at the end of the workout, I've been able to do nine total sets on the hangboard. Right. Um, usually about nine to ten minutes of mobility training, which is a way more than That's most huge. people get. Yeah. Um, and then I've, I've got that correct volume of the strength stuff. Uh, because again, if you were trying to be the world's best deadlifter, you'd need more deadlifting. Right. But with this, I can have you do three sets of two. Um, you can lift pretty darn heavy and we move on to the next day. The, the difficulty people have with it is it feels too easy. Um, right. But um, but the numbers don't lie, and and after somebody goes through this program for six weeks, you know, a couple of days a week, we've got some really good numbers and some great finger strength out of it. So I'm I'm really happy with the plan. Hmm, cool. How would you you had mentioned using you know deadlifting with bouldering, as, uh, particularly in your book, mm-hmm. in the the most recent book. Um, how would you integrate that? Would it be the same sort of thing? Would, do you keep a timer for your bouldering, or is it a number of moves that you're aiming at? What's the goal? Uh, there's a there's a couple ways, and it, it depends on what the the goal of the bouldering 
um, session is. We, um, if we're doing limit bouldering, um, that's like super high level, I don't like to have anything else mixed in with it. Um, gotcha. and, and that's a very tough, um, tough way to train because hard bouldering with your friends is fun. Um, but it very often, uh, gets directed away from your specific training needs. Yeah. And, um, I think that the, uh, you know, one of the best things in the world is the guy in his, in his shed, um, working boulder problems all by himself late into the night. Um, because it, it allows the athlete to really focus on what he needs. Um, it doesn't, the pacing isn't wrong. He'll, an athlete training alone tends to rest enough. Um, and you don't get hijacked by somebody else's goals. And that, that very frequently in any group of, of climbers, there's going to be one guy that always dictates where they, where they boulder, how late they go, what time they leave, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Not to mention your own ego, which is, yeah, which is a pretty tough thing to ignore. Yeah. You know, I definitely found this winter, this winter was the first time I ever bouldered solo outside. And it made a big difference for me to go out and do solo sessions where I could mm-hmm. really just dig into a problem and not not give a damn what anybody else thinks. And, you know, even though I try to let go of my ego in the gym, yeah. I definitely notice sometimes that it's happening. Yeah. So. And I think that's one of the great things about having a, a training plan and, and a log that says my goal today is to do um, – you know, 25 touches on the, on the campus board, I'm going to be doing, you know, one, four, six, and I'm doing that on my left and right side. It's very, very clear. And it doesn't turn into like, um, uh, you know, testosterone driven bro session. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, then pretty soon we're invading Troy, you know, know, there's like all, all bad things come from guys competing with each other. Yeah. No kidding. Okay, so with limit bouldering, you don't like to add it in. When bouldering, do you add this stuff? Um, the, I I think bouldering is is really useful um, as a as a slightly less than maximum intensity session, mm-hmm. um, where we would go back. Um, say, if your limit bouldering level is V nine V ten, this you'd be working V five to V seven problems. Things you could do in one to three goes. Um, where you're still having to work your technique pretty hard. Yeah, it gives you a um, chance to really focus on perfecting yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, and I really like that that format. Like we go in and we um, work a boulder problem, and I I like to have an athlete, even if they send it, um, work it until they do the movement perfect mm-hmm. uh, perfectionally. Um, perfectionally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they want to do it perfect, right? They've they've gone. I need um, a different co-host. They've you're fired, dude. Um, I know. I'm, I'm like the Sarah Palin of, of co-hosts. Uh, oh boy. Anyway, so so you do this problem, like you send your V7 second go, but your feet cut. Right. Well, let's work it again until the movement is perfect. It's low enough level that you can work on your technique um, and recognize movement errors but it's hard enough that you're actually getting something out of the climbing. Sure. If we were climbing on V0, it wouldn't you wouldn't be getting those same those same values. And so maybe we'll have an athlete do 
spend 15 minutes on one problem and maybe they'll they'll do it three four or five times mm -hmm. um at that point then you could say okay we're taking off the shoes we're going to go in we're going to do a set of deadlifts um a little bit of stretching set of deadlifts another little bit of stretching and then we'd go back into the bouldering gym okay um the the thing with climbing although we all agree that climbing is the best climbing you know training anywhere uh it's so damaging and taxing on on the fingers yeah. um you know skin wise joints <clears throat> um you name it we're, we're always limited by by the um the end of the kinetic chain so to speak and so i think if you can take these intense bouldering sessions and break them up um, and come back in fresh after, you know, like deadlifting isn't easy, right. but if you go away from it and go do something else that's keeping you active and warmed up, um, come back in and you can, you can give it more intensity. Um, and so I think that that's a, I think that's a really valuable thing about integrating other sorts of training with, with the climbing session. Mm -hmm. And I like it too, not just for the sake of, you know, if you don't have enough time, this is a good way to get everything in, but also because when you're filling your available time, you're much less likely to have a bunch of junk training thrown in there. Yeah. And if you can get rid of that stuff, that's a big win. Yeah. Well, and, and we've, we've talked about that before where, you know, perfection is achieved when there's nothing else to take away. Right. And, and that's, um, that's a really good general framework of your climbing training. Um, we've all had enough long layoffs from training, like your, your shoulder surgery last year. Um, I had a, a finger injury a couple of years ago that, that kept me out for the better part of a year. Um, and you still come back from it. Right. And so if we were to say, okay, I'm not going to do any hangboard training for the next two months. And all I'm going to work on is my, um, technique and i'm just going to climb on easy stuff and work on heel hooks and drop knees or whatever your your biggest need is it's like give me a break like three months later your finger strike is going to be right back where it was right and all of a sudden you've developed this new skill um we don't want to tap our adaptation potential um in too many ways because if you if you can spend your physical currency so to speak working on some very, very specific and discrete things, you're going to see notable gains there. Um, and, and I think that that's, you know, going back to this original example is too many different like things I'm trying to learn, um, or trying to improve on. They, they really start to tap us. And especially as we get older. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a really important point. This, you know, this past winter, shortly after coming off of my shoulder surgery, I spent most of my season, my training season, focused only on learning to full crimp and learning to give 100% effort. And it, rather than just trying super hard and doing, you know, or trying super hard problems and doing giant moves and things like that, um, things that were going to hurt my shoulder, instead I focused on sort of my attitude coming into a problem and how to pull off the ground immediately giving a hundred percent. And I ended up, you know, climbing three boulders harder than I'd ever climbed before. And that was coming right off a of shoulder surgery at 41 years old. So there's definitely something to be said for 
just working on technique and just working on, you know, the, the more obtuse sides of, of training. Yeah. Because you know, I couldn't hangboard. I couldn't really lift weights much. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of kettlebell swings, but I couldn't do anything overhead, you know, so. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's interesting. You, you know, all, all the movement pattern, um, stuff that we use in, in weight training. Uh, you know, we, we always want to press, we always want to pull, we always want to hinge and squat. Well, um, I've got athletes that can't press overhead. Um, or, or a great example personally is I have a bad elbow that gets flared up by pulling, um, by doing like overhead pulls, like pull, pull downs, pull ups. Um, and so on paper, I should be doing pull-ups in all of these sessions. I mean, you know, I want to get stronger for climbing. Pull-up is a great um, exercise. Um, I can't do it. And I haven't done a pull-up um, short of for one um, specific test um, in, gosh, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I can still climb okay. And so even if we aren't addressing all of those things or if you're – you know, you've got a, an athlete that's real nervous about, you know, not keeping their finger strength up or not, you know, addressing every single facet of their training, that the reality is that you're, we're very, very capable of climbing around those, those personal limitations. Very much so. So other than the time constraint issue, you've also talked about the hormonal response that comes along with it. So Let's talk a little about that. Yeah. So um, the, there's there are a few pathways or, or ways that we get stronger. Um, we improve our, our neurological firing, um, you know, or you know what we'll call recruitment. Um, uh, they'll the physiologists will talk about rate coding the the way that that the uh, muscle fibers. Um, align to fire uh, appropriately and they'll they'll talk about um some people will only recruit like 60 percent of the fibers in a given muscle ever you know that, right um and so we can train to recruit more of those well um one of the ways that we gain strength and recover from strength is is through the activity of like the endocrine system um through um hormonal changes release of of um testosterone growth growth hormone etc um and what happens there is um with strenuous activity the hormonal activity generally increases um and there are certain things, uh, and it, it was funny. I kind of came about this in in a backward way, but um, the these bodybuilders were talking about how if you were doing an arm day um, and you're just doing curls, you wouldn't <clears throat> release enough of the hormones um, to to get the maximum gain out of that. Right. So you need and to do so, some big muscle. Yeah. So they were saying you got to do some pull ups with it. Um, and, and that'll increase your size. And it's like, you know, we, we laugh at bodybuilders all the time, but they've actually, they're really, really dialed into what they're doing. Right. And, and so I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of smart. And, uh, it just kind of got put in the back of my mind. But then I started thinking about climbers trying to get stronger, um, in the forearms and like, we've got these guys like 
basically by the time you start getting interested in hangboard training you're like at 85 percent of your max strength like you're right. you're way up there and so we've got these guys trying to buy one percent at a time and i i started thinking wow if we're not releasing enough hormone i mean because the forearm is a tiny uh group of muscles and it's primarily endurance muscle fiber um if we're not releasing these hormones, if we're not optimizing the hormone profile with a, with this weight training, um, they, we're maybe not getting the most out of a hangboard session. And so um, I was trying to figure out a way to um, do hangboarding with a intense bouldering session or whatever. And then it just sort of hit me, oh, you know, if we, if we do weight training, we're not again stressing those those structures of the finger, um, and we can up this hormonal action. Um, and really, it's funny. Like, uh, you know, I've got you doing a, a few sets of um, rack front squats with the kettlebells or something. Yeah, it's great for you to get stronger, increase your athleticism there. But really, with the integrated strength, the hormonal thing is the whole reason we do it is because right. I want to get your finger stronger and it's great that we're also building general athleticism. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so if we've got, you know, good time constraint, good way to integrate, um, you know, weight training in with a normal program, um, then it's a win, win, win straight across with, you know, especially when you include the, the mobility, but the facility is the challenge for yeah, most for athletes. Sure. Yeah. Most people aren't going to have that though. It is getting more and more popular yeah. for, climbing gyms to have yeah you know barbells and and plates and things like that so yeah and i, I think that um and one of the things that we've been working on is we've got a lot of athletes doing this um program uh and we've been working on how do we make it happen at home how can we what are the body weight exercises that are gonna gonna help with this right because if you can't have access to look let, let me let me back up just a little bit. The way that will the movement patterns will use with a standard like three group integrated strength program um, will be a squat, um, a hip hinge, and a press. And then we go, okay, well, why not the pull? Um, well, because we're already pulling when yeah. we're doing the hangboard stuff, and then you're going to probably pull the next day when you're and climbing. We're climbers and we pull. Yeah more than enough yeah and it's really rare that that we don't see people that that can pull um like that of all the movement patterns that's where most of us are topped out on the on the on the standard um uh assessment and so um so then i can if i need to get you hinging we have some body weight variations on hinging um uh you know like the the back bridges the cook hip lift those sorts of things right um not super great hormonally because we really do need to be lifting something heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we get to the quads, um, jump squats, pistol squats, those start to run it up and we can do those at home. Plus almost everybody has a suitcase or a duffel bag that they can fill with books sure. yep. and, you know, do a bear hug squat or something. Um, and then pressing, uh, we can usually figure out a push up variation that's hard enough or like a handstand style push up. There's there's various things that are, are body weight capable. Weights are weights are really convenient tools, but they're not absolutely yeah. necessary for it. Now with hinging, would something like the kettlebell swing work? Yes, for sure. Um, most people, the kettlebell swing you you have to learn to do it right, 
then mm-hmm. you have to learn to do it heavy. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think for a normal guy, you'd probably want to be, um, I mean, this is just spitballing it, but I'd say you'd want to be swinging two thirds of your body weight, something like that. Um, and, and if you're doing a one arm swing, that weight can go down. Yeah. But again, with, with for just hormonal stuff, um, you're going to want to stick to the the heavy because, right. you know, the one arm strength starts to be, you know, anti-rotation, mm-hmm. it's very, you know, like nothing wrong with it and everything right with it as an exercise. But I don't so know. Not as the, good for the hormonal I don't response. think the load's quite as much because okay. it really does matter like how much you have to bear down on that. Right. So, um, and, and you know, mm-hmm. learning the double kettlebell swing is good because most gyms won't have, you know, 140-pound mm-hmm. kettlebell. Yeah. So. So. Now, a lot of people I know hangboard, and a lot of my clients do, and you and I have talked about this before, that hangboarding after climbing is a good time to put the hangboard in. If you're going to do this sort of protocol where you're, where you're doing integrated strength training with a hangboard and a big lift and mobility, would you still do that after climbing, or is that just too much? Or if it's a low intensity session, maybe, but not a high intensity session. What are your yeah. Thoughts? So if the climbing day is low intensity, um, you could probably do uh, an integrated strength session. And, and by definition, almost every integrated strength session is high intensity. High intensity, um, right? Because we, you know, when you're trying to develop finger strength, um, we you've got to be putting the gas to the floor. Yeah. Um, and so um, I think that it's probably more appropriate as a seasonal thing. And if okay. we if we talked about um, or or separating it out a little bit more, so say I'm I'm red pointing on Saturday, I could maybe do an integrated strength on Monday, and then climb again hard on Thursday, or climb again on Wednesday, and then have an you know another training session on uh, a less intense hangboard session Wednesday night or Thursday. Gotcha. Um, but but. The really hard integrated stuff, it, it takes a while to recover from. Probably 36 to 48 hours for a young person and then a little yeah. longer for guys like us. So. Yeah. And you said seasonally. How would you put it in seasonally? Well, and that's the that's the whole thing, right? Um, we have – it depends on how the climber behaves. If they have a, a long off-season and a bad um, outdoor season, like it, it's, it's really great. Uh, you know, a guy climbing in Cincinnati – you know, like there's big chunks of the year that you're not going to the yeah, red for sure. Um, and so then we can get really specific about the demands we're putting on the athlete from climbing. Mm-hmm. Lander is tough because yeah, we can is. climb outside all the time. Right. And, and it's funny that that would, you would say that sucks, but yeah, it's, it's really, it is, it does make it very hard for, for our athletes to stay focused on training. Um, and so what I would say is, Something like an alternating cycle where you would say, for for three weeks, I'm going to focus on integrated strength two days a week. Then I'm going to have a recovery week. And then I'm going to do three weeks of climbing focus with maybe a little bit of maintenance um, in there for the hangboard. Gotcha. Um, maintenance level weight training, <clears throat> um, but not these high intensity sessions mm-hmm. um, for three more weeks. And then take a week off and then go back. And alternating between those things um, is, I think that that sort of thing would be really good. These the classical linear plans are are okay, or like the block programs that that we've talked about. Um, 
those those are fine but then it starts to get into what really what works well for each athlete um because as you know when you you know as soon as you build a great training template and you send it off to somebody it needs to get customized oh yeah everybody's special yeah yeah in my app i tried building templates that i could then customize from and i don't think i've used the templates after about the first two weeks yeah you know, it's every plan just ends up being a custom, completely custom build anyway. So. Yeah. And so that that's where, you know, when, when we do templates driven stuff, we'll say <clears throat> we want to develop these primary qualities this month. Like um, for like for me personally, August will be about just building base strength. And so I don't care about how hard I read point. Um, I don't care how. Um, how much uh, endurance I've got and all those things I can kind of throw in a little bit of, of climbing and endurance but I've, I've done it long enough that I understand that endurance is coming back and it's going to be two and a half weeks yep. and and then it's going to be topped out um, I you know you just know for yourself as an athlete how long it takes to ramp those things back up mm-hmm. and so I think the thing is we always go back to is strength is the hardest to develop um, but it also sticks with you. And so you spend three weeks developing this finger strength. You can, you can put it on the back burner for three weeks and it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now with this integrated strength training, do you think the same sort of principle applies when you're training power? Like, can you take a big lift and then couple it with campus training and get something out of that get more out of that yeah i think so and it's interesting because people people get on my my case when i say Mm -hmm. that campus training isn't power training Mm -hmm. but it like systematically it's not like i understand we're moving quick um and and maybe you would call it speed training um, Mark Anderson calls it accuracy training, mm-hmm. um, you know, contact strength training. We can call it all those things, but like if you've done cleans or snatches, I mean, right. you know that it's not power or sure. you know a huge box jump. And but what's and I, I'm not saying it's a bad exercise, but I'm saying what you're suggesting will make it better. Um, and so because building that explosiveness and the ability to generate force. Um, you know, cause power, power can either be really fast with a light implement or it can be somewhat fast with a heavy implement, right? You know, like a kettlebell swing, um, is very light. Uh, I mean, not, not always super light, but, but compared to what these guys are cleaning, right. Um, it's a very light implement. Um, and, but it's done very quickly. Kettlebell snatches, I think one of the best conditioning exercises, uh, that's non-specific to climbing that there is, mm-hmm. um, the uh, and so combining those with your campusing is is also a win-win. Now, the thing when we switch to power is the recovery periods are probably a little bit longer, um, and the recovery periods between sessions are probably a little bit longer. So if you were going to do an integrated power day, we would go um, explosive total body movement, then a campus set. Um, and that would maybe happen every 10 minutes or every eight minutes, those two things, um, put, put some mobility in between. And then maybe that only happens every four or five days. And right. so the weekly schedule gets screwed up there. And so very often with our templates, we'll look at 
one day, one week, two days the following week. Mm -hmm. So in a four-week cycle, they would get six sessions done. Again, these are tough because it doesn't matter how tired the athlete gets. It's the numbers they put up at the end. Um, sure. You know, how, how much can they um, do if they're, you know, like we, we like box jumps. I like um, some, some medicine ball work, explosive, <clears throat> um, explosive push-ups. Um, you know, the clapping push-ups are great. Um, and again, if we're integrating it with campusing, we don't do like an, you know, another pole. Um, you know, you don't do like explosive right. pull-ups sure, during sure. campusing. Right. Because um, the and, long And would view, you count something like a snatch as a pull? Um, it's, I mean, it's more hinge, but... Yeah, it, it, it is, but it's like you're pulling from, from down to up. Right. Um, and instead of from up to down. So it would be a different movement pattern. Gotcha. Um, in general, I know it's, it's, we're starting to cross that line, but... Um, it would be a different movement pattern in general than the campusing. And the thing is, is it's so hard, but to take the long view on, on the campus board and, and say like, I'm, I'm campusing for three years from now instead of campusing for my project next week. Okay, yeah, let's take a break, go ahead. What's up everybody, Chris here, pardon the interruption, I'll keep this short and sweet. Since this podcast started taking off and we've been growing it, you guys have been asking how you can help out. I've got three ways for you. Number one, you can become a patron. That just means you give a monthly donation to the podcast, a dollar and up, and you get something in return. And you can check out what those rewards are at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. Best of all, we'll keep it sponsor and commercial free for you. Number two, you can rate us and review us on iTunes. I know it's a pain in the ass to go to iTunes and do all that, but it really helps us out. At least that's what I'm told by the podcast powers that be. And number three, perhaps the easiest way and the best way to help us out is to share us on your social medias. Anytime you see us post up a new podcast, please share it with your friends. Tag people who will really appreciate it or who need to hear the advice that we're giving. All right. Thank you, guys. And back to the show <laughs> so during the break i was looking at this work your glutes poster that charlie's got oh, on the wall did some kid make this for him um one yeah. of his kids it's it's actually the daughter of one of his athletes and and uh her daughter came in she i guess the girl's probably 12 or 15 and oh, man. she was watching her mom work out and, <laughs> and so she made this whole poster for charlie Oh, that's yeah. amazing. It says... Clinch, side yeah. release. <laughs> now you clinch and release. You are now going to get a good butt and be stronger. <laughs> yeah. that's, oh, I love it. That is, the, uh, that is the saying that Charlie will be known for forever. Clinch and release. Clinch and release. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, you were just talking about campusing for three years from now instead of for next week. So put money in the bank as you like to... Yeah, I think that the you, at at some point, and I hate playing like the old guy card because um, I I actually really feel great climbing these days. But on this podcast, you can play the old guy yeah, card. Yeah, well, day. that's the thing is like you just start to learn. Like, my God, that is really hard on you. Yeah, you know? and so. Not that it's not good training, but doing too much of it too soon mm -hmm. can be. And so if we can slowly progress 
um, and slowly um, add to our, our ability to do it without getting too hungry, um, you, we're going to see a lot longer career and a lot, a lot higher peak be able to be attained rather than like go great guns till you get hurt, take three months off, go again till you get hurt, take three months right. off. Yep. And, um, that's a tough cycle. It is. And, and we've all been there. And, and like, that's the one thing if we, if we can have any positive effect on the, the youth coaches and the youth climbers of today, it's just like, let, you know, let's do it right. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, even though it's fun and it's cool, let's, um, let's, just make sure you don't get to where we have a lifelong injury cycle. Yeah, for sure. Um, so quick question. If you're, say you're doing a, a cycle of integrated strength training and then you, you know, you deload or you take a week off and you are then starting to implement integrated power training. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a good idea to do the two back to back? Is it something that you think there needs to be more rest in between? I think it, it it probably depends on the athlete, but I think sure. it's fine. I think okay. it's good. And three weeks of strength, um, week off, three weeks power is, is probably a very good cycle. And the funny thing is your performance, because like we're not going to stop climbing. Very rarely do we ask people to not climb while they're doing these training sure. cycles. Um, the funny thing if we do an alternating cycle like that is – your greatest strength performance, your greatest ability to display finger strength will come during the power phase. And then mm-hmm. when we go back to integrated strength again, the, your greatest displays of, of bouldering power will come while you're on the hangboard, not while you're doing this hard, hard uh, training. And it, that's, a, that's an interesting sense. thing. Yeah, yeah. But, we, but it's counterintuitive for a lot of climbers. Mm-hmm. They think the more pumped and fatigued I am, the better my endurance is going to be at the crag. Right. But really, your best performance comes after the week off, which is the thing that nobody will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to make people yeah. take a week off. And, and like Steve Mace is just the, the smartest guy out there, but he is like never you know never forget to take week four off mm-hmm. and and not even off just go climbing right. just get out of the out of the training cycle yeah um i'll tell people that their volume should drop by 50 percent um and that that they should you know focus on on just going out and having fun but we get these people that get so obsessive about adding and adding and adding that they they will never allow for that time off and and these are the ones that are chronically injured chronically underperforming um and then they don't know why because they're also running and they should be thin right right um and and so the the moreness does not lead to betterness yeah and i think that's true mostly across the board um so another question if if you don't consider campusing to be power training, is there a better climbing exercise to integrate with powerful lifts? Um, I think I think power bouldering is is under um, undervalued. And mm-hmm. what I would say with power bouldering is, it's we're not really set up well for it um, in in most gyms. But what it would be, it'd be like on a steep wall big um integrated body movements 
um, between big holds. Right. Um, and because campusing is, like I said, is really great for rate of force production in the fingers. It's really great for your timing. Um, but, you know, like if you're just hanging by your arms, you just can't generate that much power. Right. And so if we can do um, like even like huge jug campusing um, is more powerful than what we could do on a typical campus board. And, but what you would rather see are, are big moves incorporating driving with your legs yeah. to begin with. Um, yeah. I think that's a big place where people are, are uh, um, lacking in their skill. Um, mm -hmm. I agree. They'll, like to be, to make a big move and then like know that that finger is going to dunk and you're going to catch that hold. I mean, a lot of people just don't have that kind of accuracy. They don't have that, that level of commitment, but if you make, you know, 15 moves with each arm for three workouts a week um, where you're going for it to hold. I'm not talking like full on body dinos, but dead points. Right. Um, you, you're going to get to where you're willing to make those kind of big moves. And when you get to a hold that's two inches too far away, you're not going to be too worried about it. Um, and, and I think that that's a, I think that's a really critical thing that, yeah, it, it incorporates some total body power. It incorporates speed and accuracy. And, um, I think it's too often that we say this tool, the campus board is the only way to build power. Right. And the hangboard is the only <clears throat> way to build finger strength and the tread wall is the only way to build endurance. And I think that we limit ourselves a lot there. So let's go back to power really quick. Um, if you're. So I often have, tell me what you think about this. I often have kind of my beginner climbers or a lot of the climbers who aren't powerful. Like when I started really training for sport climbing, I wasn't powerful at all. I was a lock off trad climber, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I'll have people in that position practice jumps and practice dead points and practice big moves mm -hmm. just on big holds just easing in more for the timing and and learning to move their body through space like that then when they move on to more powerful bouldering i often ask them to work on things that require tension to hold the positions so so big dead points where they have to keep their feet on do you think there's any value in that over doing big moves where your feet are cutting um for power development probably probably it's probably a wash probably both of those are developing that the ability to go okay but your economy improves if you're keeping your feet on like um you know the thing that's just so crazy is if you do any sort of work with with measuring force like if you have your feet on um, and you're, you know, hanging from, uh, you know, a hangboard and then your feet cut off. Like you take, you have your feet on a stool, then you take right. them off. Like the load increases like crazy. Sure. And you have a finite amount of work that your body can do on X route. You want most of that route or that force to be on your feet. Mm -hmm. And so when your feet are cutting, like, um, especially, I mean, it's very rare, um, like what is it like maybe five percent of climbs maybe it's probably not even that many that require that you actually cut your feet at some right. point yeah it doesn't happen often um not on purpose anyway yeah and and it's you know and really um i think that explosiveness with the feet on is a good thing to learn because then you learn to initiate tension as soon as you 
grab the target hold. You know, like you get there and all of a sudden, you know, your entire posterior chain tightens up and you mm -hmm. learn to hold that position, you know, get efficient, get into the next position. Your feet swing off, that costs you like, you know, two or three moves, right? Sure, there. sure. Any cautions with this integrated strength and integrated power training? Um, rest more than you think you should. And and don't, uh, I think the, the thing is always like, it's, um, it's what you did, not how it felt. Mm -hmm. um, like if, you know, That's if, important. You're, if you're measuring exercise by how sweaty you are um, or how nauseous you are or how fatigued you feel, you're, you're blowing it because those are side effects of, of work. Um, and, and like I'll talk to people in, in terms that they understand, like if you were studying and you got a headache, you wouldn't say, oh, wow, I must really be learning. You know, like, no, you have a headache for some other reason. You know, you could be sweating because the gym is hot, you know, and it could have nothing to do with the work you're doing. And so you've always got to look at your numbers. Did I campus better? Did I send a harder boulder problem? Did I um, lift more weight? Um, was I able to hang that edge that I'd never been able to hang before? Those are the, those are the metrics you need to follow. Yeah, and I think even if you don't don't quite do those things, like maybe you weren't able to hang that edge yet, mm -hmm. um, I think it still goes back to what you did. You know, yeah. were, were you working toward that rather than did I get tired? Yeah, um, and and we God, we messed up. Like, there's so many things that I I um, I have very few regrets on on like the way I've lived my life, but I have so many on how <laughs> I trained training, for climbing. Yeah. Um, we used to um, burn out at the end of the day on on routes that were too hard to burn out on. Um, yeah. Like you would just go till you couldn't even lift your arms up to the next hole. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, oh man, my, my endurance is going to be so good. But what's really interesting, when you're over your anaerobic threshold and working at, at that level, the, the primary, primary response is to improve the oxygen uptake or the aerobic capacity of your system and so we're better able to to uptake um oxygen after training that way but what the limiting factor in climbing is almost always muscular endurance sure and muscular endurance is better developed slightly below that anaerobic threshold mm -hmm. and so if you can work up to that threshold and then back down work up to it and back down like interval style stuff right um but don't go over that red line you're going to be training the right stuff you start redlining or going over or doing like tabata you know right dead hangs or something um we were developing um, this, this ability to deliver, um, oxygen rather than the muscles ability to pick it up. You know, we're, we're oxygenating the blood better, but we're not doing anything about what's actually limiting us climbing. And, and so I, I learned, um, you know, over the years from various climbers, uh, you know, if you are going to burn out, you know, like kick it way back, like to mm -hmm. something that's not going to degrade your skill. You're going to be able to climb sure. it, climb it smoothly and well. Um, and don't go until you're, you're pumped so silly that you can't, um, can't climb anymore. Cause that just is prolonging your recovery. And, 
and you know maximizing recovery is the whole name of the game in climbing yeah and and i've said this before and i'll i'll make mention of it here again but i think there is a time to train that way but it's when you're i mean and when i say that way i mean getting stupid pumped and going to failure like that i think the time to do that is when you're learning to climb and and you need to learn how to climb when mm-hmm. you're pumped and you need to find out where your limits are because so many beginners just say take because they think they're going to fall on a move when in reality they've got 10 or 12 moves left. Um, so I think to learn those things, you have to push that. And, mm-hmm. and for my money, it's better to do it in the gym while you're training than to learn it on your projects over four weekends. You know, so But then I think it should end. I don't think you need to train that way again after you've learned those skills. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think once in a while, like once a month, you know, go, go nuts and have a mega hard day because it is nice to know that you can still pull that out Mm -hmm. because, you know, you're going to do it on a hard red point or whatever. But, but the idea that like, that's what it takes, um, is, is sort of a little misdirected but i I agree with you in that like god it's it's nice to know that you can be that wickedly pumped and and bring it back and that's one of those things like those recovery intervals uh where you you know climb till you're pretty pumped then find a shakeout hold and and shake out there um those are very useful for 511 to 512 um, climbers to understand that to learn the pump isn't the end of the day right um and uh and so, yeah, I see where you're coming from on that. Yeah. All right. We're going to have to stop talking or we're just going to take up all of our future <laughs> talks. So uh, thanks again for sitting down. I'm going to let you get back to work here. Yeah, and, sure thing. We'll, and we'll, we'll talk do it soon. again soon. All right. Another great talk with honorary co-host Steve Bechtel is in the books. Uh, I've been using Steve's integrated strength training principles quite a bit with myself and with my clients, and and frankly, I've had good results. You know, does it does it work? Uh, hard to tell yet, but uh, but what it definitely does do is free up time and make programming a little simpler. Um, you know, for the busy person. So I really really appreciate that about it, and uh, yeah, you can find Steve at climbstrong.com as usual definitely check out what he's doing over there find him on the facebook's and the instagrams Uh, he's always posting really great information so definitely look him up Uh, before i get out of here i want to let you guys know that we've got some cool new things coming in 2017 we've we've been developing a couple of spin-off ideas for the podcast and um frankly i'm pretty stoked about those um You'll see. I can't tell you much more, but you'll see very, very soon. Also, I've got a, uh, I've got a bonus for you guys, uh, a Christmas episode. It's not really about Christmas, uh, but it's a Christmas episode because I'm going to put it out for you around Christmas. And it, it's going to help us get to 24 episodes for the year. And if I didn't finish with an even number, my good friend Yasmin would probably freak out. So I'm going to finish with 24 make it to a month for our first year maybe we can up that uh if you guys become patrons and really want this thing to keep going we may end up with three a month this coming year we'll see uh, we got lots lots and lots of great great conversations podversations sorry coming and uh yeah you guys know what to do share us on your social medias 
the Facebooks, the Instagrams. You can also find us on the Pinterests. I don't know what happens over there at Pinterest, but um, some of you do because we're popular over there, which is cool. Where you cannot find us, however, are the Twitters. Uh, we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This